You are Locked On Mets, your daily New York Mets podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello to all you amazing Mets fans who are listening to Locked On Mets, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Thank you for making Locked On Mets your first listen every day. Locked On Mets is free and available on all platforms, including YouTube. On the show today, the Mets won a series against the Mariners. We'll talk about that in the first segment. In the second segment, Pete Alonso and Francisco Lindor hit some milestones this weekend that deserve some uh, more recognition, so I'll discuss those. Then in the final segment, Ronnie Mauricio was kind of awesome in his first series. We'll get into that in a full minor league report. Before we get to any of that, though, I'm your host, Ryan Finkelstein. If you want to find any of my work, follow me on Twitter at FinkelsteinRyan. You can also find some of my writing at JustBaseball.com, where I work as the managing editor. Now, the Seattle Mariners announced themselves as the best team in the American League West. They were scorching hot. They took down the Astros in the standings. They took down the Rangers. They were holding on to first place. They were the team to beat. And then they ran into the buzzsaw that is the 2023 Mets in September. Ryan Mauricio up, Brett Beatty back. It's a new team. Really? I imagine the Mets won't play this well for the entire month. But you know what? It was awesome for a weekend to enjoy Mets baseball. And that's what I did. I thoroughly enjoyed three baseball games. That the Mets were in. They were in each game. They won two of them. It was a lot of fun. And I did a whole podcast uh, for the Friday night game on Saturday because Ryan Mauricio came up. He announced himself in his first at bat by hitting the ball harder than any Met has all season. An exit velocity over 117 miles per hour. Kodai Senga was brilliant. Uh, so I, I broke all that stuff down. You go to Saturday, and it was just a thrilling back and forth affair. The Mets were trailing 3-0 through the first three innings. But in the bottom of the fourth, DJ Stewart tied the game with one swing of the bat. And 39 games played with the Mets this year. He has a 970 OPS. He has 10 home runs. And he's hit eight home runs over his last 15 games played. You have to remember, he hit 16 home runs, if I'm not mistaken, in 51 games in AAA. So put it together, that's what, 26 home runs in 90 games? it's, It's legit. I'm not saying eight home runs in 15 games is legit, but DJ Stewart being an above average major league hitter, I actually believe that's legit. Regardless, going back to the game, David Peterson stays on in the fifth inning after that game tying home run. He hits the first batter he faces. He gets pulled for Grant Hartwig. Hartwig gives up that run and a couple of more of his own. Um, so the Mets end up right back in a hole. David Peterson didn't pitch great. Uh, didn't pitch horrible, but still gave up seven hits and four runs and in four innings. So not a good start by any stretch. The Mets were then trailing seven to three as we entered the bottom of the sixth inning. Mark Vientos leading off. Remember, he had a home run opposite field against a Roldis Chapman. He did it again. This one against Luis Castillo, one of the best starters in baseball, hit that ball 438 feet, had an exit velocity of 109 miles per hour off the bat. There is still power that Vientos can tap into. He also has a foot injury. He's going to play through it apparently, but wasn't in the lineup on Sunday. Now, Francisco Lindor 
uh, ends up in that same inning hitting a two-run homer, so that cuts the deficit to one. Then in the bottom of the eighth inning, Lindor draws a walk, and Jeff McNeil nearly puts the Mets up by hitting a home run, but instead it hits off the top of the wall. Lindor comes all, all the way around to score. McNeil ends up on third base with a triple, and the game was tied. Unfortunately, the Mets bullpen blew it. Adam Adovino, first batter he faces in the top of the ninth, gives up a homer to J.P. Crawford, and that ended up being the game. A little note, the Mets could have had something going in the bottom half of that inning. Daniel Vogelback hit one into the left center gap. He foolishly tried to leg out a triple, or triple, geez, a triple for Daniel Vogelback. I apologize. A double, and he got gunned down at second base. And that's the problem with Daniel Vogelback. It's the fact that he can't run, and it's pretty frustrating that, granted, they win the game on Monday because of Vogelback. Or not Monday, excuse me. The first game of the series on Friday because of Vogelback. He has been swinging the bat better, but in September, uh, you know, reserve the the thoughts about the Vientos injury. If Vientos is good to play, Vogelback should not be playing over him. And also, if Nervais is catching, Alvarez should DH. Wasting at bats on Vogelback in a lost season, in my opinion, is foolish. Regardless, after he gets thrown out, DJ Stewart got a hit. So. If he just stayed on first base and Tim LaCastro comes in the game and steals second, the Mets could have tied it up. Regardless, they end up losing. They did have 13 hits on the game, but they were one for 12 with runners in scoring position. That's why you ultimately lose that one. With that said, they won the series on Sunday, and they were the team that jumped out in front. Francisco Lindor and Pete Alonso played some hit and run in the first inning. Lindor scored all the way from first base. I'll tell you what, that's why Francisco Lindor is in the top 10 when it comes to Fangrass wins above replacement. Because not only is he a great defensive player, which we saw an incredible double play turn where Julio Rodriguez hit a rocket at him that took a hop that ended up over his head. And Lindor hung in there and made a backhand grab and turned a double play with Mauricio. It was an absolute thing of beauty. Because he also, with that backhand stab, made a 360 turn to, to get that throw right on the money to Mauricio, incredible play. But he also can score from first base on a hit and run. So that's adding war with what he's doing on the bases. So that happens. Then the second inning, Mauricio does his own thing on the bases. He gets a hit. He's still second base. He stole two bags this weekend in his first series. That's a part of his game that none of the other Mets rookies have, the ability to add value on the base pass. Mauricio did that. Then he scored on a base hit from Francisco Alvarez. Third inning, Pete Alonso hits his 40th home run of the season. It's a two-run shot. All of a sudden, the Mets are sitting for nothing. Tyler McGill, though, he gives up three runs um, in the following inning, in the fourth inning. couple home runs, not a good inning for him, but overall a decent game. Five and a third, five hits allowed, um, three runs in that one inning, two walks, six strikeouts. Wasn't bad. He actually got the win. So for McGill standards, really nice start. Now, the Mets never trailed in this game, and they got insurance runs for their bullpen in the fifth and the seventh. Jeff McNeil, solo home run in the fifth. Pete Alonzo hit his 41st home run in the seventh, and the bullpen was great. Three and two-thirds scoreless. Uh, Brooks Raley got five of those outs. Trevor got scoreless inning. Adam Adovino ends up notching the save. But in a weekend where the Mets were playing a really good team, they found a way to win a series. And that's a credit to the new life that was brought 
from Ronnie Mauricio and a credit to the guys that have continued to be there game over game, series over series, all year long, the consistent performers. That's Pete Alonzo and Francisco Lindor. I want to talk about some milestones they hit this weekend in the next segment. Before we do, today's episode is brought to you by Nutrafol. Nutrafol is the number one dermatologist-recommended hair growth supplement clinically shown to improve your hair growth. Go to Nutrafol.com slash men to take their hair health wellness quiz to identify the causes of your thinning hair, and Nutrafol will give you a personalized plan for better hair health through whole body wellness. Nutrahealth supports healthy hair growth from within by targeting the root causes of thinning such as stress, hormones, environment, nutrition, lifestyle, and metabolism through whole body health. And it works. In a clinical study, 84% of men showed improvement in their hair after six months. For a limited time, Nutrafol is offering our listeners $10 off your first month subscription and free shipping when you go to Nutrafol.com slash men and enter the promo code LOCKEDONMLB. Find out why over 4,000 healthcare professionals recommend Nutrafol by going to Nutrafol.com slash men. That's spelled N-U-T-R-A-F-O-L dot com slash men and enter promo code LOCKEDONMLB. That's Nutrafol.com slash men, promo code locked on MLB. The New York Mets play the Washington Nationals at 7.05 Eastern time on Tuesday night. Catch every pitch in the Mets hometown broadcast with SiriusXM on the SXM app. Just search. Mets. Now, in Major League Baseball history, here are the players who have hit at least 40 home runs within their first five seasons. Ralph Kiner, Eddie Matthews, Albert Pujols, Ryan Howard, and now Pete Alonso. Those are the same names that Alonso has been tied to throughout his career whenever they do how many home runs a player's hit in their first season, their first two seasons, the first three seasons, all these times. Alonzo has always been linked to these guys. You look at what those guys did throughout their careers, or not their careers, but their first five years. Ralph Kiner hit 215 home runs. Our pool is 201. Eddie Matthews, 190. Now Pete Alonzo is fourth on that list at 187. Ryan Howard, I didn't mark down here, but I'm pretty sure it was in the 170s. I think it was 177. And Alonzo's passed him up this season. What's annoying about that stat, because it is awesome, but the annoying caveat is Alonzo is playing with a stacked deck against him because he didn't get to play a full second season in the big leagues. 2020, he only got 60 games, and he played in 57 of them. If you look at the 16 home runs he hit in 57 games in 2020, and you were to extrapolate that out over just 150 games played, not even a full season, you say he misses 10 games. He was on pace to hit 42 home runs. So that adds 26 home runs to his total had he been allowed to play a full season. If it was five full seasons, where would that put Pete Alonso at? 213 home runs right now with 25 games left to play. Two behind Ralph Kiner. So if Alonso had that full season, even if he hit 37 home runs, which was his, you know, I guess at this point, career low, if you put 2020 aside in 2021, if he just matched his career low in a full season, you're still looking at a guy that probably passes Kiner this month with 25 games left to play. 
So it's not crazy at all to say that through five seasons of anyone's career, Pete Alonso is the greatest home run hitter in MLB history. The pace that he's hit home runs per game, per plate appearance, better than anyone who has ever played. And since 2019, his debut, no one's hit more home runs. No one's driven in more runs. And he now today also eclipsed 100 RBIs. So he's sitting at exactly 100 with 25 left to play. He's second in Major League Baseball. Well, technically third, I guess. Uh, behind Matt Olson and Shohei Otani for home runs hit. They have 44. Alonzo is 41. And he's second in RBIs. Olson has 113. Alonzo tied with Adelise Garcia at 100. The big month. He could end up with the home run lead by season's end. Also would have to kind of fall off a cliff a little bit for him to catch him in RBIs. But the point is he's again within spinning distance of those two stats. He's, if not the best run producer in baseball, which you can make the argument that he has been consistently over five years. He's right there. And that's why you pay him. That's why you pay him. That's why you extend him because he is, Guaranteed run production. Even in a year where the average is down and on base is slightly down, he's going to slug. He's going to get those home runs. You can book him for 40 a year. And you know, I actually wrote an article for Just Baseball last week. Um, I really encourage people to check it out. It was uh, a lot of work on my end. Uh, I dug into all the active players on a Hall of Fame track. And I put Alonzo at the tail end of that list in the same section as Matt Olson as two guys that are on pace to get to 500 home runs. And that is generally a ticket to Cooperstown. Now, will he get there? It's going to take an elongated prime. It's going to take him, you know, being consistent with this for another five seasons. And then even if he takes a slight tip back, doing it again for five more, you know, it's going to take him still getting, you know, 300 plus home runs. But he is on pace for it. And honestly, I mean, there's even an outside shot. If he was to stay healthy and super productive, he could even find himself knocking on the door of 550. Um, 600 probably a stretch. But the guy averaged 40 home runs a season for a decade beyond this, which is saying a ton. I mean, that's, that's ridiculous stuff. If he was able to do that, then he would be right there. But, you know, safer bet is that he gets to 500 and it's possible. And and that is something that's special. And that's something that I I think should all happen in a Mets uniform. And and I think we're starting to see a little bit of a groundswell of support within some people in the organization about that. Just a matter of the most important person in the organization feels that way and is willing to, to pay Pete Alonso. And I still think that this conversation right now, it seems that the Mets are, Play it out and see what you get in free agency because, you know, maybe they saw the Freddie Freeman situation and saw how that worked out for the Braves where they weren't willing to meet the demands of the market. And they also had a plan B where they just said, hey, we'll get Matt Olson. We'll get the younger version of Freddie Freeman who maybe doesn't hit as well but has more power. We'll plug him into our lineup. We'll give him a cheaper contract and we'll roll um, a, a kid who grew up a Braves fan and knew they can get to sign to a team discount who was still further away from free agency. Genius move on their part. 
the Mets might not have that plan B solution unless that plan B is Juan Soto in you know over a year here. But what they can do with Pete Alonso if they let it play out is they can let the market dictate the price and they can just meet the price. And maybe that market price will be less than what Alonso's asking for now. But who knows? This season, all the circumstances could push Alonso's representation to come to the Mets and say, we want a deal. And maybe the two sides can find a healthy medium there. But what Alonso's done this year through all the noise is pretty impressive. And now that he had a multi-home run game, look, there's every chance that against Nationals pitching, he has another multi-home run game. And all of a sudden, you are knocking on the door of 50 again. So Pete Alonso through his first five seasons could get to a point where he has two 50 home run seasons, five years and three 40. So uh, awesome stuff from him. I also wanted to note a little bit about Francisco Lindor, who became just the fifth Met in franchise history to have 25 doubles, 25 home runs and 25 stolen bases in the same season. Daryl Strawberry did it. Howard Johnson did it. Levy actually did it twice. I was looking at that stat to see if uh, the 30-30-30 club was exciting um, because if you look at Mets history, there's been five times where there's there's been a 30-30 season. But I think almost all of them but one of the Howard Johnson years, if I'm not mistaken off the top of my head, were 30 doubles going with the 30 home runs and the 30 stolen bases. But again, the 25-25-25, the doubles, home runs, stolen bases, Daryl Strawberry, Howard Johnson, David Wright, Carlos Beltran, now Francisco Lindor. And then the five 30-30 seasons, it was David Wright in 2007, 30 home runs, 34 stolen bases. Howard Johnson, 91, 38 homers, 30 stolen bases. He did it in 89, 36 home runs, 41 stolen bases. He also did it in 87, 36 home runs, 32 stolen bases. And in that same year, Dale Strawberry had 39 home runs, 36 stolen bases. So they had two 30-30 guys in the same year. Francisco Lindor is now five stolen bases and five home runs away from making it happen. And he's going for it. And I'm happy to see it. I hope we see him running pretty aggressively and he gets those bags and then the home runs. I, I think that the bags is probably easier to get because it's easier to kind of go for it. Home runs. He doesn't want to get out of his approach. I don't think he's going to want to finish the season strong. He's also in the conversation for a silver slugger and the gold glove this year. So he's got a lot to play for in this final month, and it's going to be exciting to watch him chase that, see Alonzo chase 50. There are things to watch with this club. You even have Kodai Sanga chasing, chasing 200 strikeouts. So there's that, and then there's also the youth. Ronnie Mauricio looked great in this series, and he made a, a very early bid to be the Mets' starting second baseman next year. I want to discuss that in a minute before we do. Today's episode is brought to you by Sleeper. We've reached the point in the season where if your fancy baseball team wasn't great this year, your season's probably done. That means the clock is ticking on your chance to receive a 100-time payout on your cash with daily fancy baseball and keep on playing through the rest of September. Baseball has never been more exciting than it is right now. You have studs like Ronald Acuna Jr. and Mookie Betts that are battling it out for an MVP. You still have Otani playing in the American League and you know, for the Mets, you got Lindor and Alonzo chasing those milestones we just discussed. This is your opportunity to pick more or less on stats for these stars like home runs, hits, strikeouts, and more for up to a 100-time payout on Sleeper. Get your picks right and you can win big. 
They also have the built-in group chat functionality where you can see and copy your group's picks with a tap of a button. And you also can make those entries in 30 seconds or less. It's that easy. They have safe and fast withdrawals. Use promo code locked on. You'll get up to $100 match on your first deposit. Terms and conditions apply. See Sleeper's terms of use for details. Currently operational in over 30 states. Check out Sleeper today. The New York Mets put the Washington Nationals at 7.05 Eastern time tonight. Get your pitch on the Mets hometown broadcast with SiriusXM on the SXM app. Just search Mets. Ronnie Mauricio had hits in each of his first MLB games. He stole two bases, only struck out twice in 11 at-bats. He's hitting over 450. He's here. He's the truth. It was a great series for Ronnie Mauricio. We saw him feel his position well. Saw him run the base as well. We saw him hit very well. He looked awesome. And it's one series. But he made a quicker impression than I think any of the Mets' other top prospects have this season. And he's the guy they held out the longest, which begs the question, what were they waiting for? Uh, I think in some respects, maybe it was perfect timing. Maybe it was perfect timing because August was a really good month for Ronnie and AAA. And maybe... He needed that up and down of a season where he thought he was going to join early. And the Mets could have had ulterior motives to keep him down when he was amazing in, in March and April and you know, come off the spring training or April and May. Well, he was really good those first two months in, in AAA and people were clamoring for him to come up. But at that time, the pressure of the season was a ton. And we saw other Mets prospects like Beatty and Vientos fail under the weight of that. Also, there was still a trade deadline, and I still believe that the Mets have been looking at Mauricio as more of a trade chip than a piece of their future over the last couple of years. And the reason I say that is because for a team that had Francisco Lindor entrenched at shortstop, it was not until this season that they moved Ronnie Mauricio around positionally. That, to me, screamed of a team that was looking to keep him at shortstop as a top 100 shortstop prospect that's the sales pitcher making to teams. He isn't on all top 100 lists, but he's on some. A guy that some scouts love that could be flipped in a deal for a team that is win now, that has a shortstop in place. So all of that is to say that maybe the Mets were never going to trade him or never going to, excuse me, never going to promote him before the deadline. Then the picture becomes clear of the season. You're not going to buy, you're going to sell. No reason to trade Mauricio. You hold him. You get through the deadline. And at that point, if you look at June and July, Mauricio did struggle. So instead of just saying, all right, all these promotions or all the, these players were dealt, there's room for promotions if you want to. They called Jonathan Arauz and Rafael Ortega because Ronnie Mauricio still needed to, quote unquote, earn it. And he earned it. And now that he earned it, he's come up with supreme confidence and he hit the ground running. Question's going to be, how does this hold up for the rest of the month? You know, Ellie De La Cruz looked amazing in his first series or two. And you look at his numbers overall, and he has dealt with his lumps. We'll see. Mauricio could certainly see those, or he could have a really hot month to close the season, and the expectations will be through the roof going into next year. What I will say from what we saw so far is that 
there is a world where the Mets don't have to do much this offseason because their team next year could very well be Pete Alonso at first, Ronnie Mauricio at second, with Luis and Helicuna knocking on the door behind him, Francisco Lindor at short, Brett Beatty at third, Jeff McNeil taking either left field or right field in the outfield, Brandon Nimmo in center, and then Starling Marte potentially, if he can get healthy, being the right fielder again. They want to stick him in left field because maybe they think that's a little bit less taxing on him at his age. That's a possibility. And you also have the DJ Stewart component where the Mets could bring him back as another outfitter that could vie for some playing time as well. With all of those pieces and you know Mark Vientos potentially being a guy that could be in, uh, an option at DH, who knows what they do with Vogelback, but the Mets could be, you know, in a pretty good place going into the offseason where they wouldn't have to add much to their position player group. And they would be betting big on those prospects or now former prospects to solidify themselves. But I think that's where you're trending. If Mauricio can have a strong finish and also like Brett Beatty, can Brett Beatty close the month strong? He made a great play defensively at third base, um, which was nice to see, but we'll, we'll see how that bat continues to come along. Now, before we close the show today, uh, let me find, where is it? Apologies to the audio audience that didn't see me looking for that, but I had to get my Binghamton Rumble Ponies hat. It's time to take our trip around the affiliates to look at what happened in the Mets minor leagues this weekend. Syracuse, we're pretty much done. Okay, this season will continue, but outside of Carlos Cortez, not a lot to pay attention to down there. And Cortez is still, despite his incredible last you know six weeks or so, however long it's been, he's been on this hot streak and what he's done this season, he's still not really considered a prospect. So we start now in Binghamton. Dominic Hamill was amazing on Friday night. Six scoreless innings, uh, 11 strikeouts, two hits allowed, three walks. I will put a grain of salt on that standout performance. In that the Mets were playing a or the Mets, the Rumble Ponies were playing a really bad team in double A. And the following night, Jordan, I think it's Geber, who is undrafted, um, career ERA over five in the minors. He went six scoreless as well. He didn't strike out 11, but he went six scoreless the following night. The two big hitters, of course, is Luis and Helicuna and Drew Gilbert. Uh, Cunha had two multi hit games over the weekend, swept a couple of bags. Now in 28 games with Binghamton, he's hitting 255, 346 on base, 273 slug, still hasn't homered yet, with 12 stolen bases on 17 strides. So he's gotten caught a little bit here, but he does have eight multi-hit games over his last 15 played and hit safely in 10 of those 15 games. So he's certainly turning a corner after a really rough start when he got to Binghamton. Drew Gilbert, the other top prospect the Mets got at the deadline, he hit safely in all three games this weekend. He's hitting 323, 405 on base, 516 slugs since the trade. He's gotten hits in 21 of his 26 games played with the Rumble Ponies. The final top prospect to discuss here from the weekend is Kevin Parada. Uh, he had a big game on Saturday going two for four with a homer and three RBIs. He's played six games, though, in Binghamton. That's, of course, the Mets catching prospect. Now their top catching prospect with the Alvarez officially graduated. He struggled so far in his first week in Binghamton. Went three for 22, 10 strikeouts, two walks. It's a lot of K's and 24 plate appearances. Finally, we head to Brooklyn 
where Jet Williams and Ryan Clifford each had a big game on Sunday. Williams went two for four with a homer. That's his six with Brooklyn. He had six home runs in 79 games played in Port St. Lucie. Now has six home runs in 30 games in high A. So he just continues to be outstanding with the Cyclones to the point where you could make an argument that you should keep him playing and have him finish the year in Binghamton because that season is going to extend beyond this week. This will be his last week of minor league baseball if he just finishes the year in high A. But personally, with both Jeremiah Jackson and Luis and Helicuna, who can play up the middle um, in Binghamton, you know, shortstop, second base, with Drew Gilbert in center field, and also the precedent that would set to promote Williams. I thought I've discussed this on the show before, but I wouldn't put him in double A. You still might want to start him in high A next year. So to me, I'm more interested to see if the Mets assign him into the Arizona Fall League. That that would be really where I'd like to see Jet Williams, you know, showcase his talent against some of the the best, you know, minor league talent in the game. Finally, Ryan Clifford on Sunday, three for five with a homer, three RBIs. Now has 21 home runs and 85 games in high A as a 19 year old. For most of it, he just turned 20. I think it was either last month or a little bit before that, but. Uh, He's been very impressive with the power. Although the strikeouts are a little bit alarming, he did collect another uh, golden sombrero over the weekend. Anyway, that's going to be all for today's edition of Locked on Mets. Got an off day for the Mets and then a two-game series against the Nationals. So uh, not a ton of baseball this week, but still a ton to discuss for all you everydayers. So make sure you follow, rate, and review wherever you get your podcasts. Follow me on Twitter, Stein Ryan. Follow the show at Locked On Mets.